And then it's just like it always just becomes like a philosophical like battle between like these like douchebag kids from Brown and North Carolina, <laughs> like yelling at it, wearing dad hats and like freaking with armbands like high, on, like dress yelling. dress socks with like paisley on them. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, and like a, a one single Michael Jackson glove. What we do here is go back, 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 back. All right, welcome back to the Will Rob Podcast, everyone. This is mildly legitimate conversation amongst friends about college football and lifestyle, and occasionally The Bachelor. Um, you can find us at www.thewheelroute.com. We are at The Wheel Route on Twitter. We are at Wheel Route Podcast on Instagram. Uh, you can send an email to wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com, and you can download the show from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. My name's Logan Whitehouse. I'm on Twitter at Logo on the Dawn. Coming to you guys. Uh, from Stewart, Florida, where uh, you know today was a day of a, a day of mourning, but Hope Springs Eternal 2020 Year of the Gator starts now. So uh, we'll uh, we'll just keep we'll keep moving with that. Who else is here? My name is Jordan Shank. I am in Harrisonburg, Virginia. I'm on Twitter.com and Shank Jordan. I'm also a little sad today because uh, for the third consecutive year, I have struck out on all of the Virginia ABC uh, Van Winkle bottle lotteries. So no, no super fancy bourbon for your boy again this year, but uh, we'll, we'll run it back 2020 or 2021, whenever the next one comes around. You should have had me in there, man. I would have given it to you. Mm. Logan's got the hot hand. Nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure they would have loved a Florida driver's license walking into the store. (laughs) Like, Hey, I'm, I'm here with the email I got. Uh, my virginia.edu email, I guess, wouldn't be enough for them, huh? <laughs> yeah, probably not. The way those shysters work. But... <laughs> um, <clears throat> sorry. My uh, my name is Jason Kreck. I tweet things at Jason Kreck from time to time. Uh, I'm also coming from Harrisonburg, the friendly city. Um, I have a question for you. Go ahead. Did you wear that shirt to dinner? I did. I did not wear. I did not wear my Jamie Hellfish penny to shirt. to dinner it's and drinks. Penny. No, <laughs> Jason's Jason's sleeves are not joining us on the podcast. They are absent this week. They're still on winter break. Um, letting the big dogs hunt. Tank top. Tank top Tuesday. It's going to be a new podcast tradition. Yeah, man. I'm about it. Go Hellfish. Um. Yeah. Shouts out to shouts out to ultimate frisbee players everywhere. All right. <laughs> we had a spirited conversation before the podcast. Uh, did, free yeah. ultimate frisbee. Uh, you guys <laughs> drinking? You guys drinking tonight? Yeah, I have a uh, stout beer from Basic City. Hmm. It, I think it's called the Grimville. Uh, it's a vanilla stout. It's good, but the like the the writing on the can is hardly legible. If you guys take a look here. Oh yeah. So. Uh, yeah, your guess is as good as mine, but it's very nice. Very dark, very wintry. Uh, would have been better like a week and a half or two weeks ago when it was actually really cold, but now it's like 45 degrees, 50 degrees. So, uh, we, but hey, we do this. Right. Um, excellent. 
Um, I, uh, I'm doing my poor planning. I'm drinking a Yingling tall boy that's been in my fridge for an undetermined amount of time. Mm. It is adequate. That's good. Speaking of adequate drinks, I have a Bon and Viv spiked seltzer. This is the grapefruit. Um, it's only 90 calories. As you guys know, low carb, low carb Logie is back in effect, uh, for the, the first quarter of 2020 Mm. years. So, um, you know, sandbar season 2K20 coming at you. Got to get this bod svelte. Ready for the thong side. Uh, yeah. Right. What, what is your favorite Bon and Viv iteration? Oh, is it dude, the I don't No, It's not the grapefruit. Um, I think, I feel like there was a, there was another one that I thought was okay. This grapefruit one is not great. I, I would not recommend getting these. I'm going to be honest with you. Unless they want to send some free ones to the podcast. They have like a like a clementine hibiscus one or something. And then I think there's like a cucumber and something. And there's like a pear. I think the pear elderflower one was actually okay, which is a oh. crazy thing to say. But um, yeah, I'm just, I think they, they tried a little hard on the flavors to be like uh, spa flavors and it's just not- <laughs> any anytime i hear a cucumber water reference i always go back to the classic comedy film the other guys oh yes and the uh the, don't the go chasing waterfalls jordan yeah the scene in the office where uh the cucumber water comes out is delightful yes um right so cool shouts to us out here boozing on the pod second time in three days guys Wow. Just another Tuesday. Club going up on a Tuesday, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> going up. You're right. Any updates in the last uh, 48 hours you want to get off your chest? Uh, No. Not that I know of. <laughs> Jason? Yeah, I'm sure I'm forgetting something important, but no. I don't think so. How are the How are the Lady Dukes doing? Uh, they're good, I think. Um, to my knowledge. Excellent. How's our Lady Dukes merch coming along? yeah yeah back to back to important things uh that uh, no change to report there okay so no news is good news yeah. i like it yeah yeah i'll take a lady duke's like lady cut polo even at this point like it has like no buttons and it's kind of like kind of a trim. kind of like yeah. semi-hourglass like snug <laughs> yeah, yeah. creative flares for yeah. everyone knows that my body sets up pretty well to slide into a shirt shaped like that so for the first 12 years of our friendship you constantly told me you had wide childbearing hips so well, i do i still do still i never I, know. Yes. I, I never i never have not had them you just but you say it less often now but i'm like a i'm like a clyde edwards hilaire type you know you really you want to get me the ball <laughs> on the edge yeah, no, the two of us have always said this. Yeah. Shake off if, some tackles. If Logan had a dating app profile in 2020, <laughs> his body type would be Clyde Edwards Hilaire. <laughs> uh, built like, uh, in the words of my friend um, Ryan Jackson, I'm built like a brick, you know? Yeah. So. Real, real ones know. <laughs> real ones know. Jordan, you're not too far off. Hey, man, I was, I was a catcher for a long time, and hey, uh, s- certain muscles got very much activated we and got the thick we got the thickness that's why we're explosive in the open field we're third down gravity hard to bring down that's mm-hmm. what i've always said you've always been dotting the eye in my book you're a hall of famer in my book coach glad, glad to hear it <laughs> all right i don't know that's our podcast too. for tonight we'll call it <laughs> yeah. speaking of the bachelor <laughs> Don't have much to share, um, but we did watch a football game last night. So let's talk about that first. Then we'll talk about some uh, coaching news development stuff that broke today. Uh, and then we'll we'll get out of here. But uh, national championship game was last night. Clemson versus LSU in 
New Orleans, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Um, fun game. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. High both, quality. Both the outcome and the way we got there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'll start. I was a, a little, I guess, surprised that LSU in, in both halves uh, started a little slow, which I thought was curious. Um, but I thought in some ways that magnified how well they played the rest of the game because they they just they kind of did what i thought they would do they just are able to strike in such efficient drives of like for a handful of plays they go big chunk big chunk big chunk touchdown and uh um jamar chase is really really good wide receiver and it helps when the quarterback puts the ball right in the bread basket every time but uh if you if you didn't catch what we're talking about here lsu did win the game 42 to 25 um and yeah what, what was your what were your initial initial thoughts jordan uh jason you want to start where where did you watch the game did you did you sneak uh, into the club suite no i did not. that's what i'm interested in God, come yeah. on man <laughs> I, I know it um no, i watched the game from bourbon street so mm. um i sure. uh and by bourbon street i mean one half at one friend's house and one half at the other friend's house both of my friends, I watched the game at their house. Um, <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think we talked. We talked early in the half that we were really impressed with Clemson's DBs and how they were, um, how they were playing against the LSU receivers. And then we talked about how much you know it, it helps that Clemson was getting home a lot and and. Yeah. Joe Burrow was not comfortable for the first 25 minutes of that game. Right. Um, and so I think, yeah, after that after that first third of the game, then I think – I'm not sure what um, – I wasn't paying quite enough attention to know what they switched up, but they switched something up. And Joe Burrow um, stayed a lot cleaner, and that let him get in a rhythm. And then even when he wasn't clean, he was able to, to make the passes he was been making all year. And – Put up a weirdly quiet, like four hundred yard six touchdown game. <laughs> like like it, it, it had become so normal that it just like he was picking apart one of the best defenses in the country, and it didn't feel like it really. Um, and yeah, yeah, he had uh, I forget you just said his name, but I'm blanking on his name. The receiver, uh, Jamar Chase. Yeah, Chase, and it, it just felt like literally any time in the last thirty to thirty five minutes of that game, he just had Chase as a safety valve. And when he needed seven yards, he just had seven yards. Uh, yeah, and poor number one, the corner on Clemson was just getting yeah. just. I mean, that just was a rough. That's a rough part. matchup for anyone. And in yep. the way Clemson wants to play defense, they played a lot of press and and a sort of, of dared. Man. Yeah, dared, dared, uh, dared LSU to beat them. And I mean, that's a that's a big that's a tall ask for anyone, like any team in the country. But yeah, uh, yeah definitely, definitely curious. Jordan, where um, did you watch the game? Set the scene for us. Sorry, we'll circle back around. No, it's fine. I was, uh, I just, you know, kept it nailed down at the Shank Estate up on the hill, uh, nice. and uh, was big into the coach's film room broadcast, um, which was a lot of fun. I think I tweeted about this, but the only real gripe I had was they had they had a lot of stadium volume coming through, so you had like four of these guys talking. Yeah, amongst each other, but also sometimes trying to talk over each other. Not a whole lot, which was good, but they're also 
all trying to talk over the volume coming from the stadium, uh, which I thought wasn't great just for, you know, uh, watching quality. Um, but you had Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State, Jeff Halfley, uh, Boston College's new hire, who was Ohio State's defensive coordinator. I liked him. He he came off really well. He yeah. seems like a really like in likable guy. Yeah, uh, Derek Mason from Vanderbilt and uh, Gary Patterson from Texas Christian. Um, I thought it was a great group. They mm-hmm. let Gundy kind of do the moderating, uh, which I thought was really smart because in the past and it was it was delightful too because it was like they didn't try to disguise it as a tv event like they just kind of yeah. let him be like okay and we're gonna go to break and then it just yeah, land the he, plane. he was terrible at the we're gonna go to break segues <laughs> yeah right. he's not polished at all but it was so good that like uh just an espn head was not in there just like trying to chum it up with these guys and taking up airspace from them uh right. they could just talk ball and yeah halfly i was really impressed with um and the like the dynamic between gundy and patterson who play each other every year was hilarious because patterson uh-huh. patterson got in several digs about like well like there was the the play where uh they actually ended up reviewing the clemson pass that like bounced off the ground clearly and yes. the receiver caught it and gundy was like i don't he was just joking he's like i don't know what the big deal was it only bounced once like that that's a catch and and patterson was like yeah if we're in Stillwater, that was <laughs> just like <laughs> just like little little stuff like that was uh was really fun um but yeah you had three defensive guys who did a really good job of pointing out the things that venables was calling that was giving lsu trouble early on and then the things that uh aranda was calling that uh, maybe gave Lawrence a little bit of trouble. Uh, but I think most of his shortcomings were self-inflicted. He did yeah. not have a good night throwing the ball, and I don't know how much of that you can credit LSU with. Uh, certainly you should credit them, but I think he he certainly could have done better with the same defensive performance. Sure. Yeah, I think he completed 18 of 37 passes. That's uh, less than 50%. Uh, that's not – not ideal uh, for a game like this. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I've, I, I'm sure I've been like, I don't know if it's too critical or what about like the Clemson offensive approach, but it kind of came to bear last night. They would get in the third and long situation and they couldn't, they don't, it doesn't appear that they have plays in their playbook that go for 15 yards. Like they either take shots down the sideline or they or try to run a ton- help. or, a, or it's a tunnel screen or yeah, you're, they throw. I mean, he tries to throw just not, just puts a lot of pepper on it, like on an out to the sideline, and yeah. and he was a little wild last night. So that's something that uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be interested to see if their offense adds can add that layer in. Um, you know, they had plenty of opportunities to practice uh, in the ACC um, doing things like that, and I'm sure it was a bad game too. And I'm, I'm maybe being a little overreactive. I haven't watched every single Trevor Trevor Lawrence throw all year long, but I thought it was curious that it seemed like they don't really take advantage of the middle of the field at all. And that's yeah. really where LSU kills you. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, I mean, he so he missed so many throws high last night. Mm-hmm. Like, do we think that was because LSU was in his face so much or I, it, um, was, it was very weird to me. Like he, it, he like, it almost felt like lot. he was just overthrowing it. Like, yeah. Like like he Logan was trying said, to like, rip it or something. Yeah. Cause like Logan said, they threw a lot of those ten yards out, ten yard outs, and they, it felt like they threw a ton to the far side of the field. 
Yeah. And so it felt like a ton of times he was throwing like a 25 yard pass to a guy, you know, nine yards upfield. It was very strange to me. Well, yeah, every time he would like that a couple times, they're like, man, that, that was a long throw. You just asked him to make. Yeah. And so and so I think he did, he was like stepping into those and just ripping them. And yeah, he was sailing high on a lot. Yeah. And another thing I noticed about kind of the scheme, Logan, like you mentioned for Clemson's offense was that aside from like the pop pass that they got to the tight end in the first Mm -hmm. quarter that went for a lot and really that was the only passing game play, but they also had a really nice reverse that they scored on. Um, But just like passing game wise, they never really seemed to scheme guys open to where you were throwing to them with a lot of room for yards after the catch where like, LSU does that really well, especially over the middle on those slants when guys are playing press. Um, and I think, like like we've talked about, that is a consequence of playing in maybe a less talented conference where you don't have to focus on that as much uh, mm-hmm. because your guys are good enough to win 50-50 back shoulder balls 98% of the time. Uh, yeah. So it's just not required of you. Um I also I, yeah. like I I'm definitely curious to know how much like the Jeff Scott getting a job in the off season how much attention was he able to give this game cuz we've seen uh coordinator turnover impact national title games before with yeah. Lane Kiffin in Alabama usually Scott, involving Alabama yeah. yeah Scott was on the sideline or in the box whatever he was coaching for this game um but it's still like a mental Guys only have so much mental capacity. So, um. yeah. And Clemson did some creative things. Uh, they they hit a nice play. Oh, I think it was that little. It wasn't the pop pass, but they had a really interesting little route combination that I think. Um, what's his name? Laugh Laughley. Who is the Ohio, the Boston College Halfley. head coach? Halfley. Sorry, yeah. Halfley um, pointed it out, and it was really cool. It's like the receivers ran to each other and then sort of pivoted around each other. And uh, you could you could tell it was like they didn't they like almost rubbed into each other and then changed directions and it I think it was it was cool it created like a big chunk of open space um, that was neat uh, I appreciated the defensive guys like you were saying Jordan the way that they the way that they um, talked about how like the different route combinations that uh, especially LSU was running um, just like how it would put stress on uh, the defensive backs for Clemson um, I think that. That one touchdown pass in the first half, uh, the guy ran like a skinny little wheel route to the outside, and the outside receiver just basically dumped in. And, I mean, you saw it all line up. You knew Burrow was going to go there after they rewound the tape. But it was just really cool to see how, like, the guy gave an outside release, and he ran right to the sideline and down the sideline. And and it was was a great throw. But it was just like – Halfley and Patterson, I think, both called that. They were like, they're running inside fade to the top of the screen. And, like, that's that's what everything – everybody on Twitter goes bonkers for when Tony Romo does it. But, like, (laughs) Tony Romo is not special in that regard. (laughs) Right, yeah. I mean, (laughs) there there are hundreds of coaches across the country who can identify that at mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage. Um, and yeah. that's, that's just a lot of fun to watch. Not to say it's not fun when Tony Romo does it. It's just not otherworldly. It's just fun. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. And um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I actually just watched the coaches, uh, the coaches booth like an hour ago. So um, fresh off some of it. I, I did like it. I, I thought Derek Mason was a little quiet, but I think that's his personality too. 
Um, he yeah. kind of got going a little bit. I would have maybe appreciated hearing a little bit more like LSU context from him. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah. uh, well, some of the stuff he did give was just like, their guys are so fast. And so yeah, right. like, Joe, Burrow, like, well, Joe Burrow's yeah. really fast. He, he's yeah. surprisingly fast. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, did you, while you were watching it, did you catch the, the little transfer news break moment? in the coach no actually i did not i was i just pushed through half time and was in like the third middle of the third quarter when i had to turn it off but okay yeah so that that, that's like Derek king entered the transfer portal during the national time or news broke that he had entered the portal right Uh, this news he he tweeted it out he tweeted it out himself yeah and so uh patterson like and these guys were on their phone a little bit but not to the point where they were just out of it but right. Patterson, like at one point, was like, "Oh, look what look what my wife sent me. She's watching, and she just sent him like a screenshot of the football for dummies book, and then they all had a laugh about it." Blah blah blah. <laughs> so Patterson had been like checking his phone, and then he he just like, "Oh, we got someone in the portal. You're not going to believe who they're going to," and <laughs> uh, and guys were like, "What? Who's who's in the portal?" and and Patterson just looked at Gunny. He's like, I got something to show you during the next break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Classic. So yeah, that did happen too. Well, uh, I mean, I, I think that's, that's news. Cause I think he could make a team better, but I don't know if that's quite as exciting as maybe it, it, it came off, but we'll see. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the game Clemson jumps out to a 17 to seven lead at about was at the, the end of the first quarter. Yeah. pretty pretty much and basically from that point lsu scored lsu scored 21 in the second quarter yeah they scored 21 in the second quarter including one of the ballsiest uh quarterback draw plays i've ever seen that was awesome. uh, boosted them to a touchdown right before uh right before halftime so that was a bit of a that, that that felt like a bit of a knockout punch um that touchdown that they got in right before halftime i mean that yeah that um Clemson did a good job like I said LSU started off a little slow in the second half as well went three and out a couple times Clemson did score a touchdown got it to within three they got two-point conversion it was 25 to 28 briefly but uh LSU scored two more times Clemson didn't score again um there was maybe a dubious offensive pass interference call on Clemson down there in the fourth quarter uh I guess I suppose you could say LSU also dropped a touchdown in the end zone in that fourth quarter too is to gosh um but yeah definitely definitely a, a sort of a dominant like middle half middle two-thirds of the game by lsu uh you kind of just saw how scary they are that that was my big takeaway was just like it didn't seem like they played that great of a game and you looked down and joe burrow had 420 yards and four touchdowns in three quarters yep. yeah. which is which is crazy to think that you were like oh man they're a little off schedule like this is this is weird <laughs> um Edwards Hilaire didn't have a huge game, but they did a, <laughs> they did a pretty good job of sort of mixing mixing the ball in uh, to him on some throws and just keeping the defense honest. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, Clemson just looked like maybe they just were a little overmatched at a certain point on defense, especially after the linebacker went out with the targeting call. Yeah. Um, it it definitely seemed like that put some more stress on just the heart of the defense basically. Cause they were running like a weird, like almost dime defense the whole time. I think they were running like a three, one seven sort of setup with just the one middle linebacker. And then they kind of stacked the defensive line in there. And then 
I like the way that they use Simmons, Isaiah Simmons, a lot. He, yeah. um, I think before the game, we're, was we were mentioning that he's, you know, a jack of all trades kind of guy. Um, he was everywhere in the first half and 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 throughout the game. But you know, you can only do so much with like a rover type against that LSU team. I thought LSU did a really good job of going five wide, going empty a lot to kind of neutralize a little bit of what Clemson likes to do from a disguise standpoint. I know Venables yep. is really big on disguising coverages and stuff. Um, and they went empty from like inside their own ten a few times. And I, yeah, that was impressive. Yeah, for sure. So I get a kick out of little stuff like that. Um, there was definitely some cat and mouse there for a while, but uh, yeah, I think I think Brady and Ensminger and them boys got the best of. Uh, Got the best Venables last night, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there, there for a while, like the the defensive or everyone in the film room was kind of pointing out, like LSU will go empty and Clemson's going to blitz up the middle, and that's like that's the adjustment Clemson makes. So then the adjustment LSU or the adjustments LSU made was uh, they hit a really nice tunnel screen at one point that mm-hmm. lessened kind of the heat that came for a while, but they also like we said, did a good job of getting Edwards Hilaire out on those little like four yard flare patterns to where he's turning away from a pressing corner and has room to run. Um, And then that little like action created touchdowns later on for the guy looping behind him because the defender or whoever's playing safety or corner off was like, they talked about the, the running back was drawing his eyes too because of all the passes they had hit, you know, second and third quarter, it opened right. up stuff on the backside. So that's that's what I really like to learn, like, when watching a football game. Because I didn't play organized football. Like, I, I know – I like to think I know what, you know, some stuff to watch for. But when you get guys who, like, this is their life and they can just point out, like, oh, this is exactly why that happened. And you're like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. And that's so smart and right. cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, anyhow, good game. Um, ends up being pretty lopsided there at the end. Uh, LSU did did cover, did cover the spread. So, shout out to Jason and Logan taking it into the offseason. This one was worth like forty, right? That's how we. That's how <laughs> yeah, we're doing so it. So many confidence <laughs> points, right? I don't think I caught up with Jordan uh, still, even with a forty point dub last <laughs> night. But it's okay. Um, <laughs> we're out here. The season's over. It's time to re- reset. Uh, any final thoughts on the national championship game? Uh, it was a fun one. And I, I do think like it's been done to death now, but I don't think there's any question. This was certainly the best individual college football season I've seen. Um, yeah. And I think probably the best team college football season um, of our fandom lifetime. Yeah. Just in terms of like, because what the final, the rest of the final five was what Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, uh, I'm, Georgia. I'm, miss, I'm missing somebody obvious. Not Georgia. Might have um, was, was, was Georgia? Georgia was five. Florida was six. Was it Georgia? Oklahoma. Regardless, but it was like basically LSU had like waxed everybody in the top five except Ohio State, who yeah. they had like transitive transitively whatever the word is yeah. waxed. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, I mean, they, they took on the top of the league and nobody really came that close. So yeah, no, a super dominant, exactly. impressive performance. And 
just will remain bizarre how Auburn was the one team all year that like gave that like held them yeah. to like a reasonable true, scoring yeah. output. Like what the heck was that? So, um, also oh well. shouts out to Coach O. I have, it, it's there are people in this world that don't like Coach O, and I don't understand. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I I am I was critical of the hire along with everyone else. I think sure happened. That, that part I, thought, I think was reasonable. I thought you know I thought the take that he is a defensive line coach and there's a reason that he's been a defensive line coach was most reasonable. Maybe a little a little hot takey and, and pokey at uh sure. at them, but at the same time, you know, shout out to him. He was a head coach before at Ole Miss and he learned from his mistakes. Yeah. And you know, yeah, you're given a lot of talent advantages at LSU, sure, but. You know, it's not like you don't still have to deal with Alabama. It's not like you don't still have to deal with, um, you know, getting out of your own way if you're Coach O. And, you know, the way he was able to go get Brady in the offseason and really change his approach without necessarily burning a lot of bridges on his own coaching staff. Like, I mean, that's – in my mind, that's a masterful thing. So, uh, yeah, well – There's, there's a lot of yeah, politics we'll and stuff involved and stuff like that. And LSU, considering – there's like no actual laws in Louisiana is as hard a place to do that as any. And sure. he did it as well as anybody has ever done it probably. So, yeah. So um, I guess that's a good jumping off point to move into uh, coaches and hires and fires and, and things of that nature. But Joe Brady, um, wonder kid, offensive passing game coordinator for uh, LSU has, I guess, informed them that he's going to be joining the staff uh, of the Carolina Panthers. For now, offensive so, coordinator. As the offensive coordinator, he will be um, wearing the tax smock. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully in the booth and dipping. <laughs> hopefully, he still wears the chain because um, that was an impressive look. Oh, you know he will. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, listen, as a Florida fan, I am here for that personnel move on the LSU coaching staff. He did a lot of really good things uh, to improve their passing game this year. Now. You know, their offensive coordinator and play caller is still Steve Ensminger and will still be yep. there. So we'll see uh, how that goes. And I'm assuming he'll stay around as well. I know he had sort of personal tragedy stuff go on here uh, earlier in the offseason, which is really sad. But um, he sort of, I think, has hit his stride here uh, this season. Obviously, got to feel good about how things were going. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it'll be interesting all around with LSU to see if it changes that much and to see who plays quarterback for them next year, frankly. Yeah. Cause I and don't think they, yeah. I, I was just going to say like Brady struck when the iron was absolutely hottest. So I don't yeah. fault him at all for, for doing what he's doing. Um, Cause you rode maybe the best college quarterback of, of all time potentially definitely the best the best season season yeah. by a quarterback we've seen in a long time um to an undefeated season uh he he was he the winner of the Broyles award this year yes so yes, he, he won the Broyles award and got an NFL OC job out of it i'm i'm definitely curious to know like what what his end goal is i think only he knows what the ultimate like okay now now i'm in my dream situation and i'm not going to be intrigued by other jobs is like is it nfl head coach is it uh college head coach of a top shelf program and he's just right. got to do some other stuff to get there but i'm interested in what his 
kind of desired finish line is. Um, I would guess, given how young he is, Jason pointed out very kindly that I think he's younger than than us. You're um, younger than the two of us. Yeah, so yeah. I would think that if you wanted to be college coach guy, you would want to be in that game during this age bracket of your life. Um, and, you know, I mean, maybe he would, like I said, maybe he would leave for an absolute top shelf job, but... I, it seems like if you're this young and you are going back to the NFL that quickly, I think your end goal is to be in the NFL. You, you, you like football yeah. maybe more than you like college football, if that makes sense. So, Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Cause NFL, you're not dealing with boosters. You're not dealing with recruiting. You're not dealing with getting your players to go to class and right. be academically eligible and, and you're not these, dealing with 17 to 22 year olds. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, and all the families that come with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's, I there is a lot of headaches, but uh, he definitely took the sort of offensive play calling world by storm though. And I mean, LSU looked just completely overwhelming. It was jarring to see at times because I think we all, I mean, it, it was just easy to see that LSU seemed to be wasting a lot of talent for the last, however, 15 years that we've watched LSU football. I mean, they got, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, and they got like slews of receivers and skill players. And um, I mean, shoot, even quarterbacks come out of there and it's like, man, their offense has never been like the reason you were scared to play LSU. And this yeah. year it 100% was. So um, we'll see if they can keep that magic at all. But uh, so we talked last week and by last week, I mean, two days ago uh, about the Mississippi state head coaching situation with Mike Leach. San Diego State, Brady Hoke. Um, Washington State did make a hire. Uh, our guy Nick Rolovich from University of Hawaii. So pew, 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 pew. This is a, uh, you know, in in the, the group of college football writers and, and thinkers that we probably most follow, this seemed to be a pretty popular hire. I think a lot of people like Nick Rolovich. I think his teams are, are tough and... Hawaii was a lot of fun to watch this year when you actually watched them play. They they played the yeah, sort when of a, you could stay awake. They were a yeah. Joy. They and I think it was bolstered by the fact that they had the white dreads quarterback, which was uh, which was like a fun experience. But also they played kind of a frenetic spread offense that was uh, thrived on chaos. Yes, exciting. Yeah. It just always seemed like their games were like a little bit chaotic, but they seemed they seemed good. So. Uh, I think he should slide in pretty well at Washington State. Be able to recruit better talent for his system. We'll see how they are able to, to go there. I, I feel like there's a talent, not talent gap, but like a team gap developing in the Pac-12. You've got, really, you just have Oregon. Um, you know, Washington and Stanford were down. USC's been down. I mean, who who's your other who's your other team to be worried about in the Pac-12? Utah, if they can get an offense. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, it, it's suppose, starting but, to feel yeah. very – ACC ish mm -hmm. where you've got one and the other kind of three or four that you were counting on being uh formidable foils yeah. are regressing rather than rising to meet that level. Yeah. So, um, I guess there was a little bit of buzz. So, so that's it on, on hires a uh, little bit of buzz on the, the Baylor opening, uh, it seems that uh, there is real and serious juice behind Justin Fuente, <laughs> also as foretold on the podcast by our seems, guy Jordan. Seems to be on site, that man. 
seems uh, that uh, he is going to get an interview. And I've seen Dave Aranda chatter as well. I think Dave Aranda would um, welcome an opportunity to be a head coach of his own program. So uh, we'll see there. I think he might have coached at Baylor before. Or hmm. I, I, I don't really know. I saw he had some sort of connection. Aranda or Fuente? Aranda. Uh, okay. He had some sort of connection to Baylor that made it seem like he was going to be um, a strong candidate as well. And I think he wants to be a head coach. Um, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't gotten more looks, to be honest with you. He's gets paid a ton of money and he's kind of been in that role at LSU for a while now. Yeah. Um, but man, it would be an interesting offseason for LSU if they win the national championship and then have to replace essentially offensive and defensive coordinators. Uh, so like, welcome, welcome to have Bama. Here you yeah. go. Welcome to big, welcome to big boy problems. Right. So, yeah. um, and so the trickle down effect then is if, if Fuente does indeed leave Virginia tech, that leaves, I think kind of an interesting opening at Virginia tech, uh, Very interesting. at a weird time of the year and like, a a job that demands, um, and I'm not like dumping on Virginia tech here, but demands like <laughs> a, a certain type of, uh, a certain type of candidate right like a cultural they, they need like a cultural fit there yeah. in the same way that i feel like washington state needs a cultural fit is that the, you know what i'm saying yeah. like it's I mean, like if we're being um, honest in the same way that lsu needs a cultural fit. yeah it's a little or, outpost it's a little yeah. outposty it's a little yeah. bit outposty lsu is not quite as much but um that's they, they maybe, got the whole mississippi state which is why but, yeah it's sure. so weird there now Yes. Yeah, sure. Sure. Or like maybe like Texas Tech or, or something like yeah. that. Anyhow, I think um, I I do know that uh, Todd Grantham is a name that I've seen floated. I, he came to mind when I when I was thinking about this. I know he's a I think he coached there under Bud Foster a while ago. But he, I, I thought Todd sure. Grantham was a, is a Virginia Tech grad. He might be. He's a Bud Foster like protege. Yeah. I know that he was a defensive line coach, I believe, under Foster for a while before um, spreading his wings and yeah, uh, he he, went, he played at Virginia Tech. Okay, so look at that mm. lunch pail defense. The, so I per- defensive line positions in the early nineties. Personally, I think Virginia Tech fans would absolutely love like the Todd Grantham as the head football coach. <laughs> they like, would love the Todd Grantham behind the podium. Yes, yes. But I think, I, I, I think, think he would they be would share with all of your stresses mm-hmm. and frustrations the moment that it, it times to get to racing between the lines, you know? like Yeah, yeah. You're going to have games where you're going to be like, God, this guy is all over it. He's the most prepared defensive coordinator I've ever seen, a la the Auburn game last year that Florida played. or And you'll have games like the Georgia game that Florida played where Georgia – scores 24 points and somehow goes like 13 of 16 on third down. And just like, <laughs> just, just, it's just mind numbing how you can uh, play soft zone entire game and never make a single adjustment. So um, third and Grantham's a real thing. And he would, I mean, I wouldn't be super disappointed to maybe see that uh, a little change of scenery there, but um, he can certainly convince, uh, I mean, the guy generates NFL players mm-hmm. um he always has some sort of like freaky hybrid rush end type guy that gets a ton of sacks on his defenses he schemes it up really well he's got i mean he's coached in the nfl um i think that he would take a couple guys with him from florida staff uh that would certainly be like a recruiting hit for florida but um i do know that dan mullen encourages his 
people on his staff to go get better jobs also, which I think is a, a nice thing in uh, a, a good way to support your, whatever it's your refreshing. employees or yeah. But it's, also, it's, it it's also nice and, makes you a place that people want to come work. Yep. Yes, exactly. And, you know, and that's, you know, you want, those are, those are good problems to have. You want that to happen. Uh, that usually is a byproduct of success. So, um, but I think, so I think he would be, I think he's a legitimate candidate. If indeed this job comes open, which uh, we need dominoes to fall for that to happen. Uh, have you had any other thoughts about the Virginia tech job, Jordan? I mean, the common, the name I've seen the most tonight is Luke fickle. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, now, there's a Cincinnati connection there that I don't know if it actually exists uh, since that's where yeah. Babcock came from. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't at Cincinnati. I don't, I don't believe they overlapped. I think yeah, it would just okay. be like people involved. They're right. Bearcat um, brothers. Right. And so that's the name <laughs> I've seen most common. And then obviously uh, the young Beamer boy. Yes. Padawan um, Beamer. Is, oh, my uh, God. Can you he's imagine? also always in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I I just think timing wise, it's not great, but maybe it also is a blessing in disguise in that it forces you to actually like pound the pavement and do this smart. Yeah. Like the the Fuente hire when they made it, they were kind of in in the line with all other schools making a hire that year. And they got one of the prized candidates of that coaching class. We thought all thought it was a great fit, but it didn't feel like uh, maybe they, they vetted it as like hindsight. Maybe they didn't vet it as well as they should have, or like didn't, didn't feel out the, the potential. So um, I think if you're a Virginia tech fan, you can be optimistic potentially I'm trying to spin this positive for you guys that, uh, that, you know, this, if it happens that this happening when it does, uh, Babcock will have to really like, I mean, this, this would be kind of the Babcock job defining potentially higher. Um, if, if Fuente were to leave, I would be really interested in Willie Fritz uh from yes i think he was a job uh he i think he's a guy who a lot of schools foolishly passed on uh godfrey Mm -hmm. has been a big uh vocal supporter of him as a candidate and i think i would be wise to follow that i think coaching out of Tulane gives you uh maybe some experience dealing with like we said kind of an outposty location Uh, he's not an old guy uh, to where you need to, you know, worry about is he only going to coach for three or four years and then hang it up. Um, so yeah, he's fifty. He's fifty nine. He's not a young guy either. But I think in this era of coaching, that's not. Old. That's fair. I don't. I don't disagree with you. And I, he, um, he, he I certainly hasn't that's... had the stresses of coaching like Power Five football all these years sure. either. Yeah, he's he's not. He doesn't have a lot of miles on him. It's a young fifty nine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think um, I think Willie Fritz would be great. I do think you have a hard time winning the press conference with Willie Fritz. Absolutely. And that's why I don't um, think he'll get as much uh, yeah. 
attention. I mean, he's gone. He's gone. So that's, what's, that's what's weird. I don't think Virginia Tech is the kind of job where you want to hire a coach just to win the press conference. Like, but it I shouldn't think they're, be. They're boosters it, and their fans yes. want that. That's they, the they, weird thing. Yes. It's, this, it's, this weird di- it's this weird dichotomy of like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're not really a school that needs to win a press conference, but their fans think they're a school that needs to win the press. It's this very strange like yeah, straddling of the line. Michael Vick was once their quarterback and they played in a national title game. So they, <laughs> they deserve to win the they're, off season. They're, they're a blue chip program yeah. because of that. So. Uh, I got another name for you. Would, would Jeff Munkin inter- entertain you guys at all? I, th- I would be terrified of Jeff Munkin. Yeah. I think that'd like, be interesting. Yeah. I think Munkin and Fritz and fickle would all be tremendous hires. Yeah. And I don't think any of those three, save for maybe Luke Fickle, would be sexy enough to appease the yeah. majority of Virginia Tech fans. I think Fickle would be, um, but he's the only one of those three. I think I also agree that those would be uh, excellent hires. Yeah. Um, I also think Fickle would be by far the biggest flight risk, too, of the three. Oh, yeah. He's a climber. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, um, I really I feel like he Luke... would only leave. I feel like Fickle would only leave for like a top end Big Ten job. Sure. And I'm, and, and, and again, I'm the... standing by my take that we're only a few ways away, or a few years away from Michigan State being open. I I agree, but yeah. I mean, so I guess we're we're totally married to the fact that Michigan State is a better job and situation than Virginia Tech. Yes, I'm not. I yeah, am. Probably. I guess I'm not 100 percent convinced of that. But I, um, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Like I think that I'll also comes say in, this. I think Michigan Luke comes Fickle, up in actually eventually. Uh, Luke Fickle is averaging two point two three million dollars a year at Cincinnati. So he makes good money, so he can wait for a job, the right yeah, job. Yeah. So I mean, one Virginia Tech's going to have to up that, and I don't well, know how much Flint they can. Three and a half or four. I, I think so. I think so. Hold on a second. Um. Oh. Jeez, that's not a lot. Uh, hold on a second. Okay, there we go. Yeah, base salary. Never mind. That was the raise. Oh. Okay, so yeah, he's at like, yeah. Never mind. Uh, yeah, he's a he's at four. He's between four and four and a half for the next four years. Okay. Um. So yeah, not not out of the question, but you know they're going to have to give Luke Fickle Justin Fuente money. Um, sure. And. I'm not sure what Fuente's buyout situation is, so maybe there's a chunk of it. Um, yeah. Well, if he I, if he leaves on his own, I don't think it's near as much. Like they they can. Yeah, I don't. Fuente I don't think it's as much. If, it's not as much on Fuente's end as it is on Virginia Tech's end. Gotcha. I think, but um, yeah. So I think I think Fickle would be the one that they would get in order to appease the fan base. Um, whether they can get him is another question, but I, I don't – I think the other two would be almost as good of hires without winning the press conference. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just – I was kind of spitballing a little bit, but I know – I don't think – I don't think Munkin's, like, necessarily, like, married to running, like, full option either, but I do know that he coached at Georgia Southern and he coached at Army now, and that's pretty much what they do. So that would be – um they run, a, I think, a slightly more up, souped-up version of the triple. But uh, yeah. I think Godfrey said said a few times like Munkin is not 
strictly an option guy. Right, right. So. But so far, he's done that at his two stops because it's been either culturally or uh, necessity. Or, yeah, pragmatically, the, the move, which is usually the mark of a good coach, right? I mean, didn't uh, Mike Houston run the triple at Elon? I mean, not at Elon, at uh, the Citadel? Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like sometimes if you you got to do what you got to do to win, win some games. But, uh, yeah, very curious. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time here talking about Virginia Tech's potential opening. I just – I'm kind of fascinated by that as a job because I think it does have some high-end, like, success oh, yeah. potential. Um, but I also think it's really interesting because there's, like, a – uh, sort of a disconnect there maybe between the fan base and and like maybe actual reality sometimes on uh <laughs> on like the, what the top end of that program is but we've seen that program be really successful before um i think it would be surprising though to see it like maybe become like a a, a top a consistent top 15 program i think that would be surprising Regardless yeah. of who the head coach is. Well, and I think it would be surprising for any second team in the ACC to become a consistent top 15, <laughs> given given the way the past <laughs> four or five years have gone. So you'd be surprised if Miami or Florida State became a consistent top 15 team? I mean, at the trajectory things have gone. This is yeah. recency bias, but yes, I would be. And at the same time Florida as Clemson State. is not nothing. Like, they're still out there. Well, that's what I'm, well, that's what I'm saying. But like, I, I just think that, like, I think a school like well maybe yeah, not I'm Miami besides but, Clemson somebody else all of a yeah. sudden rising to establish a level of consistency like that would be surprising. Uh yeah well yes all this is to say also that this Fuente de Baylor thing may just be Fuente's agent trying to get five hundred thousand yeah. more dollars. Which like for him. hey getting him on a plane and in in person to Baylor for an yeah. interview is is some next level leverage wizardry, but <laughs> right. And it also takes some balls when he was like kind of sort of fired halfway through the season. Yeah. And then just went on a chair there for a little while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was touch and go. It was touch and yeah. go. For, so for a while. like it, 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 that takes some, some, some brass ones to like in the span of six games be like, okay, maybe I need to like start trying to secure an OC job for my boy to like, now nah, we can get an extra 500 grand. Like, yeah, Justin, you're getting on a plane to Waco tomorrow right? and I will have an, a sweet extension for you. Uh, yeah, my, my uh, take is still 10%. Keep that in mind. Have fun. Right. Bye. Yep. Maybe, um, maybe Hugh Freeze will coach Virginia Tech. Mm, that's the stuff. That's the stuff I like to hear. <laughs> well, who is that guy from the North Texas head coach, Seth Luttrell? What about him? Just get an air raid guy. I think that'd be interesting. I, I would just, I, I'm like just interested in general in air raid coaches as like a, <laughs> as like a, like a character study on, on like how this could either go really well. well or I mean, really heck, close. if this, if this had happened two weeks earlier, we could have had Mike Leach, Virginia. Tech That's true. We could have. Which in, in a weird way makes sense given the job that he took and the jobs that he has uh-huh. been interested yeah. in. Uh huh. And some of his opinions. Uh huh. <laughs> Cultural fit. All right. <laughs> you just Anyhow. you are checking all the boxes tonight, Logan. Jordan, sure. I have a question for you. Do you think Bronco would leave for a job? I like like I think. I mean, he 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 is a, a he is a, a fellow of the Mormon faith, and he, he left BYU yep. uh, for a job that he allegedly earmarked as a job he would leave BYU for. I'm, I'm just curious to like what 
what would be another step for him if someone really wanted to hitch their wagon to the Bronco uh, train? Yeah, so there were there were rumblings there for a little bit that Ole Miss should target Bronco or if Michigan <laughs> was going to part with Harbaugh, they should part with Bronco. Um, yeah. I, like, I've also heard, you know, some talk that – this in all likelihood is Broncos last job and he'll like he'll coach till he's ready to be done and then hand it off to somebody within the program. Um, But he's talked about like when, when he took the UVA job, like you said, it was going to take a very specific set of circumstances. He's talked about like they were going to have to have been very bad recently. It was going to have to be really challenging. He wanted (laughs) to, like essentially build something from rubble and Virginia checked all those boxes. Um, I don't know if, if he necessarily wants to go through that again, like just kind of seeing how much he's put into this and how much it's required of him and all the families that moved across the country with him. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a unique fit and, I think the Virginia media does a pretty good job largely of not like not speculating into that either for him or for Tony Bennett, but also like, I do want to point out that Virginia, the Virginia media is completely in the tank for all Virginia teams. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're like, they're very much not going to like try and rock the boat and, and get clicks by like, well, while Fuente's interviewing in Waco, yeah. let's talk about Tony what, Bennett's what five most hold. likely destinations. Yeah, yeah, Tony Bennett still hasn't said no to UCLA, by the way. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I don't think we'll ever know, and I think part of that is due to like the media just won't ask or won't bring it up, yeah, or won't touch it. So I was um, just curious. I mean, like it's Virginia in my mind made a calculated gamble mm-hmm. on a candidate that would be, in in my mind an unlikely flight risk and it's turned out to be successful. I mean, so far so good. I mean, this was year three, four, four, four. This was year four. And I mean, you made, you made the orange bowl. So, I mean, that's, that's tremendous. I feel like that's probably the max reasonable expectation for Virginia football period. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah. so it's kind of yeah. like, I, was, I guess I was just time, wondering like, does, like does, does a guy like that have like, further aspirations to win national championships and stuff. It's like, he doesn't necessarily seem like he's geared that way, which is great for Virginia's situation. But like if he had gone, Oh, and 12, three straight years, they would have fired him. So it's kind of like, you know, (laughs) but yeah, like, Um, and, and speaking to the larger aspirations part, like I think some of this may be coach speak, but I think like he genuinely is stubborn enough and believes like, why, (laughs) why can't we do that? Like, I, I think we genuinely can do that here. And so, and he, nece- he hasn't necessarily seen like any evidence to the contrary to this point <laughs> that they can't keep growing incrementally. Sure. Um, now that the way that plays out the next five years or so remains to be seen. Um, yes. But he's, I don't think he's of the personality that like, well, I can't accomplish this unless I'm somewhere else because I haven't proven to myself that it can't be done here yet. I so. see. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just think it's it's a very unique fit in that it, it works really well and it has been successful to probably beyond reasonable expectations mm-hmm. in a relatively short amount of time. So shout out. Anyhow, that, that was an interesting conversation. Uh, Jason, do you have any uh, Virginia media takes to get off or like what's your perception yeah, any reporters you want to you want to put under the microscope real quick no no i'm i'm good <laughs> I'm they're f- they're a conglomerate group they know who they are <laughs> um i'm sure they all listen to this yeah they're all friends of the program too, so. we know who you're yeah. talking about yeah it's their right. job. um no i mean i think you guys you guys obviously i think are both more knowledgeable about the virginia specific side of things but i do think i do think it's a very interesting situation where, yeah, I, I don't think Bronco's a climber. I think he just wants to coach football. Um, and I think he does. I think you nailed it, Jordan, with the stubbornness factor. I think he, like, I think if you, like, you know, got got him away from the office and you guys were just, like, hanging out at the lake and you're like, I mean, but, yeah, you know, the Orange Bowl's probably about as high as Virginia can realistically go, right? I think he would just very naturally be like, I, that's a non-starter. I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, he's like, no. Yeah, I don't understand no, why you would say that. I don't believe that, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I do, I do think that, that both of those are very beneficial to Virginia in terms of keeping him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah I mean, I listen at a certain point, life changing money is life changing money. And sure. You know, if somebody plunks five and a half million down, uh, Carl is going to have a decision to make, but. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I also and, think one of the things that, that helped, Virginia pry him away from BYU was BYU kind of drew uh or from what I from what I've read BYU did some drawing of lines in the sand of like this yeah. is where we will stop at support right. for football and to this point like he's he's taken from what I've understood kind of a cautious approach as far as the relationship with Carla Williams because she was not the AD who hired him right, but right. by all accounts like that relationship has gone well because she comes from Georgia which is a football first school she yeah, gets she knows. how important football is to the health of the whole athletic department and, and she's been willing to to say like you need you need more strength coaches we will bump the budget for you you right. need more and I, I do think that I do think that people don't realize I I you know, this causes me physical pain to say, but I do think Virginia has the capability of being kind of a sleeping giant. And the reason for that, if we're being completely honest, is money. Mm-hmm. They have, Virginia has a lot of, you know, well, there's a lot of money in yes. the, you know, 45 to 65 year old bracket of UVA alum. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of, you know, demographics that line up with what big donors usually are for, you know, reasons of both liquidity of money and uh, desire to be around success and power. Yeah. And so um, I, I've told people this, that I, I do think like, you know, it's going to take some work to convince. Um, and actually probably not as much as it, it seems like, but it's going to take some work to convince the powers that be on the other side of campus that you can have a powerhouse athletics program and be a very, very good, academic program Mm -hmm. um just because i think it's been the culture so long of like okay we have athletics but what's more important is you know yeah mr jefferson's university and that sort of thing but i i think if if that stigma goes away and i do think carla williams has done a good job of chipping away at that 
um, then I think there, there's no reason they can't they can't have the kind of athletics department that a lot of you know the national powers have. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's easy to say that Virginia's cap is the Orange Bowl, but I I probably believe it less than the two of you because I I think it's perfectly reasonable that they can become something special. Now it's not going to happen next year. It's not going to probably happen in a year that starts with 2020, anything, but right. it's, it, it's there to be had. Yeah. Well, and, so. and the unfortunate piece of it is like you mentioned, Jason, like this all eventually boils down to resources and money. Yep. And so it's not like, Oh, if we just get the right crew together and the band, you know, has a good attitude. All that then stuff can take you can a long way, it. but yeah. Like yeah. basketball only right. got nope. the right Eventually guys. Eventually, you gotta have 110 million dollars. Yeah, the the basketball team only reached the success they did, and were only able to get the coaches and coach they did because one very wealthy man donated a gazillion dollars to build a big uh, arena and name it after his father, yep. and that set a whole bunch of fun uh, series pirate, of events into motion. So. Uh, yeah, yep. ultimately the, the nasty side of this is that it does, it will ultimately come down to how many donors are willing to open the checkbook and how wide they open it. But, uh, yeah, the pieces, the pieces on one side of the table are certainly falling into the place and whether or not they do kind of on the financial side, uh, will remain to be seen. Hmm. Love it. Yep. Love it. All right, guys. Sparkling conversation here. Bravo. All around. Yeah. Way to wrap up another successful year of the We're Rob podcast. Um, you guys got anything else to say? Uh it's college basketball season. It is. It's it's been well over a year since uh Virginia Tech beat Virginia in football. <laughs> yes. In case in case you forgot. We're like day. We're like forty nine days with the Commonwealth Cup or something like that. So, double digits. That's all well and good, but it's been well over ten years since Virginia Tech beat James Madison. Oh, so. hey, got him! All when, right. When well, does that series kick back off? Is that twenty twenty two? I twenty five. I okay. thought. Hold on, I could be very wrong on that. You'll be the AD um, by then. We'll all have cushy jobs in your in your yeah. cabinet. Cushy jobs. Yeah, twenty twenty five credentialed. I'm, I'll have a cushy work from home job in, as Jamie in Jamie's you cabinet. You are call, welcome. I'll call ball plays via Skype. <laughs> safety is shading. The safety is shading. Anyhow, all right, cool. Well, everybody, uh, read some football books this off season. Let's come back uh, rearing and ready to go next year. Uh, we got probably some college basketball coming your way. We got some bachelor content coming your way. Uh, we will keep the content machine rolling. This is the We Were Out Podcast. Uh, send us emails if you miss us. We Were Out Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, go to thewheelroute.com. That's the website. Stream the show. See the pics. Uh, maybe we'll post uh, our bachelor picks on there so you can keep track of uh, the scoreboard, uh, depending on if that's doable or not. And uh, otherwise, we love you all. Thanks for listening. Go Gators. Go Hoos. Go Duke. 